Hey everyone, Austin Swanson here, aka 24-7. Today I'm discussing Card Linux, and I'll be going over open banking, and why I believe that there is a free option on what I feel is a hidden potential cash cow. So as just a way to start this, as a, an example or a way to think about this, or how I'm thinking about it in my head, uh, one first example, just to kind of get an idea of, of how I'm thinking about this, one example would be if somebody had a lottery ticket. And they thought, yeah, the potential payout of this lottery ticket is pretty small. Uh, let's say just a few dollars. And the probability of that even happening is just next to nothing. So they're willing to give it to you for free. Now you believe that the potential payout is significant. And the odds of that payout are also very, very high. Would you take that? <laughs> well, the worst that can happen because they're giving it to you for free is that you lose nothing. The best but, uh, outcome is that the payout one of those scenarios where that payout uh, happens occurs and you make significant amount of money that seems like a good situation right now possibly a better way to think about this because that's probably less likely but this is something that actually is kind of likely in a really good visual is imagine you're going to buy a home from somebody and from somebody's estate maybe it's a family member someone uh, passed away recently and they have this home uh, and so the seller is familiar with most of the property but hasn't went through everything because it's quite cluttered right and that's part of the sale they're just willing to sell it with everything in it it's just for them for the seller it's just it's too uncertain what's in there just because of how cluttered it is. There's a lot going on, right? There's They're more focused on what they think is the core uh, asset, which is the home, and that's what they're worried about. So you and the seller know the property on its own is worth more than the purchase price. Let's say for the sake of argument, just to make numbers easy, uh, they're selling it for 75,000, and you believe, and the seller believe it's worth 100,000. So therefore, right away, you have some margin of safety that if you needed to turn around and, and sell it, well, you could at least sell it for the 75,000 and maybe even more, maybe 100, so you already have some protection there however you believe that there might be a valuable antique or maybe a painting or something that the seller is essentially throwing away for free or throwing in with the sale for free due to this seller here's a, a good visual of, of how i pictured it they had this house all cluttered and you see something in there and you're like oh, that could be worth a lot but the reason the seller isn't thinking anything of it is because either one the seller uh they don't know what that item is they have no idea you know what what is that antique or what is that painting uh they know what it is but because it's so cluttered they're focused on other things they didn't know it was actually even in the house and so it's just included in there because they didn't even know it was in there or they know <laughs> know what it is and they know it's in the house, but they think well, that thing that, that has no value, right? Or they know it has some value, but they don't think it's much. But you, <laughs> uh, while you don't know the exact value of the item or the painting or the antique, you're pretty familiar with it and what it is and a range of what it could possibly be worth. There is a high chance that it could eventually be worth nearly what you paid for the home, maybe like 75,000, 100,000. But you also believe it could potentially be worth multiples of what you paid for the home, right? Let's say a million dollars, right? Something crazy. Uh, but you acknowledge that the probability of that happening, of that being worth a lot more is smaller, but it's uh, it's possible nonetheless. Therefore, if you bought the home, you know, at the 75,000, and just wait and see how much that antique could eventually be worth, maybe over like 10 years, you have very little risk of losing anything because since you could turn around and sell the home for at least 75 or 100,000, if not more. So 
that seems like a good situation. And I, so I have this picture of the home, the reasons why, and, I, and it's a little small here, but I included like a probability distribution of, hey, on the one, the yellow, that little small line, it might be closer to see this. First link is down below or to actually view the picture. But you have this small little line, the sliver, this yellow, which is people just think, oh, there's zero value there, right? And maybe it's worth a little bit more, but it's really low probability. So the higher the line, that means the more of the outcomes that of, of, of having that value. But you are the blue. You believe, oh, there's a lot of possible possibilities where this has some value around the value of the home, right? And that means that the most of the weight, so you can think of everything under the curve is, is 100% probability. A lot of the probability is it's around the value of the home. But then there's some a little bit in the right tail, right? This little bit out here. Oh, you can't even, can't even see it with, with what I'm clicking. Wow, this whole time. So you have this yellow sliver, which is what they believe. The blue is what you believe. Under the curve is 100% probability. There's a little teeny bit of these like high right tail scenarios that where this is worth way more, but the probability is way less. And so that's how you're thinking about the situation. Okay, so that's that example. And we'll get into this, right? So then the other thing is more specifically is in the context of businesses. What if there was a publicly traded company that had a line of business ignored by others and priced in as though it had zero value or 0% chance of occurring, possibly from others not understanding the line of business or others not even knowing that line of business exists within, within the company. And some believe it's just too uncertain to value or thinking not much, much value will come from it because they're extrapolating based on the infancy of today. They're thinking, oh, it's small today, it's gonna to be small tomorrow. However, what if you knew <laughs> that that line of business was already in motion, had extreme similarities to the core business, meaning that it's not like something completely new. Uh, could, they could leverage other lines of business to improve this offering of this new line of business. They could actually generate near 100% gross profit margins. They had minimal capital requirements. Uh, had high operating leverage that could be that could lead to high levels of cash flow, had the potential to grow at rapid rates due to strong competitive advantages, and had massive and had a massive global uh, total addressable market, and even had a higher probability of occurring given actual development shared by the company. Right? This just sounds almost too good to be, too good to be true. And while it is possible no value will occur, again, there's that probability distribution of outcomes. There's scenarios where nothing happens. Uh, it would seem to be a good free option to take. Uh, in case one of those many other scenarios that have higher probabilities of occurring actually occurs. That, again, we go back to this little chart. Yes, there's there's outcomes where maybe that, like in that business, nothing happens, but there's also a lot of outcomes where this has, uh, <laughs> has some value. And if it's given you the option for free to take this, why wouldn't you, right? That is open banking with Cardlytics. So I hope some of this, these visuals, I mean, the way to think about it is like, if it was the house, the house is Cardlytics, people are focused on the core house. There's some other main things going on of bridge and DOSH, um, but most people are focused on Cardlytics. Then there's open banking. And so the like, like already DOSH and bridge are fairly, un, like not very, they're not discussed uh, too frequently uh, in relation to what I believe is their individual expected values, right? I believe there's a lot of potential there and people just, I don't think see that. And I've done full write-ups on those. However, the open banking line to me, blows those out of like out of the water right not not only is it the least discussed of the possibilities with cardlytics and this whole international expansion uh, and all these you know high gross profit margins because there's no revenue share it is nearly not discussed at all part of that's the company the company barely discusses it right but does that mean that there's no value there some investors don't even uh, don't even know that Cardlytics is taking advantage of open banking, uh, even though they're already partnering with loyalty programs in the UK, like Nectar for, or the Nectar program for Nectar Connect, and now soon Top Cash Back. Even more, there are still investors who don't even know what open banking is. This is a common thing that I like. I talk to a lot of people about Cardlytics. This comes up all the time. 
hey, what, what's open banking? Or I'll mention open banking. Like, what, what is that? Right? Because again, a lot of people, the, the business, Carlos is not really talking about it. They're giving very infrequent updates. The only two I can think of are uh, at Investor Day of June 2021 and then of the last Q4 earnings. Right? Like, it is very infrequent that they discuss uh, open banking. And so, people think oh there must be nothing of it and then they don't think about it or it's really small today There's, there might not be anything that happens so i will go into depth later of of in this section what is open banking and why it's important to carletics but quickly just to give you an idea of what is open banking i keep throwing around because again in the united states we don't have open banking uh or not yet but in the future maybe we will but it's an open in, in other international areas like uh the uk europe uh or, or just europe uh eight parts of asia or all of asia uh, there's some intricacies there and i think australia and there might be more since you know even carlix announced that uh but quickly open banking gives users such as myself uh, more control over my financial data or my purchase and transactional data allowing them to share or myself to share my primary transactional data up to maybe like three years worth with third parties like Cardlytics. So loyalty systems or partners or, or programs can partner with Cardlytics, who has the experience of analyzing and advertising based on that purchase data, where Cardlytics can aggregate the user side by partnering with multiple loyalty programs to be big enough uh, to have large enough ad reach to attract advertisers to then place offers within these loyalty programs to then where they will fund the rewards to allow for higher cash back or higher uh, loyalty points back, uh, making loyalty programs more attractive. So again, the, and then the users are agreeing to share their purchase data. They're, they have to have a reason to do this because in return, they'll re receive access to these much higher offers. Because the advertisers are funding these offers, instead of being one to 2% cash back or loyalty points back, the advertisers are funding it, again, because now they have the transactional data and they're willing to do it with Cardlist because they're, they can advertise on multiple uh, platforms at one time they will fund the offers and this leads to offers that are now 5 10 15% back way more so advertisers benefit because now they they uh, Carlyx went through and aggregated the demand so they can advertise to a lot of people loyalty uh, system platforms benefit because now they get advertisers to fund the rewards will at least a way higher rewards for users so then the users benefit because they're like wow we can save way more, more money i'm gonna engage more i'm going to connect share my bank info or my transactional information uh it's just everything connects and fits really nicely and essentially to cardlytics it just looks like a bank you have this loyalty program that now has purchase data up to three years worth uh of the, all the transactional data and so they say hey we know what we've done this before we've done this with the banks uh we know how to analyze this we know how to work with advertisers and advertise based on this this just looks like a bank to us uh so we're a great partner right and they already have experience with this they have the trust it just all fits perfect now the better part of this there's potential of no revenue share with open banking but the banks they're sharing i don't i can't remember the exact number i know gross profit margins have been around like 40 percent, but that includes like a seven percent delivery charge so maybe around like 50 percent uh are paid to the banks for revenue share right so with open banking they're not <laughs> that leads to gross profit margins near 100 percent around maybe 90 93 if you include the delivery costs uh and so and then, then you have the ability to uh, leverage existing technology and resources with little additional capital again you have that you already have operate carlix has operations in the uk right they already have that there they can leverage you know cardlytics dosh bridge the ad server the technology everything so it's not like this completely new line of business we're gonna have to build all this out they already have it right and uh there's so with all that you have the extremely high gross profit margins operating rating and, and the operating leverage can lead to substantial cash flow once at scale 
where scale is even more possible with open banking, given it allows for international opportunities or not limited to the United States, as well as not being limited to bank partners. You can partner with loyalty programs. So it just opens this, this like the floodgates, right? Everything just, it's, like, it's almost, this is why I got so interested. The reason I spent so long on this write-up and uh, thinking about this, because I'm like, there is so much potential here. High, high gross profit margins, high, uh, you know, cash flow margins, because, you know, the, the operating leverage, tons of scale, international opportunity, a desire, need, Cardlytics being that primary part, like everything just makes sense, right? And so again, when then everyone's ignoring it or just they think, oh, it's not worth even thinking about, that's where there's opportunity. Again, there's just a high probability of this occurring, uh, or at least in some form or fashion, or at least more than the zero that people think, like where they think nothing will happen, right? So combine that with the core Cardlytics business that is expected to be cash flow positive by the end of 2023, uh, we can start actually seeing some of this materializing in, in the financial statements, right? With open banking, uh, and, and, and if the open banking starts being cash flow positive or, or producing some money or, or some you know cash flow, then if the rest of the business is actually cash flow positive, right? We might actually start seeing this. And so there are now uh, very, uh, there are now very recent signs of Cardlytics gaining traction in the UK, which could lead to the scale needed to match the ad demand there. Uh, then there is further international growth uh, potential where open banking is live, right? With potential partnerships, including the loyalty systems of the largest airlines. Then there's even further growth with the global brands where open banking is not live and sending offers within those loads of programs to drive further engagement. And I will talk about each one of these, you know, further. So one second, just need to <laughs> get all excited and get my voice going. So this opportunity, why does it exist, right? Open banking has the potential to be something, I believe, something very special for Carlytics. And better yet, people are ignoring an open banking opportunity for Carlytics due to, one, some do not know what open banking is. Again, this is a common occurrence. People talk to me, they're like, well, what's open banking? Right, and these are people that are very familiar with Carlytics, and so therefore it's just implicitly it's, it's implicitly you know ignored or you know being valued valued at zero because they don't even know what it is, or some do know that Carlytics, uh, or some know what open banking is, but they don't even know Carlytics is taking advantage of it, or taking advantage of it. Right, this is possibly due to how infrequently uh, it is discussed by Carlytics and management. Right, I can only think of two times. So if, if Carlytics is barely talking about it, then others might even think is Carlytics is even in it. They might have missed those. They might have just had no idea that Carlytics that this was a, another line of business. Uh, some think it's just too uncertain to value given how early it is. Again, currently Carlytics uh, only has one partnership and now it's just only begun. And that, that was only one year ago, right? So it's just very, very early. And so people just think, oh, maybe nothing will come of it. Excuse me. Others think it will amount to nothing given they'll think, okay, it is small today, but it's probably going to be small tomorrow. They're just extrapolating it based on where it is today. Therefore, they're ignoring the potential growth within those existing partnerships where that has a lot of a long runway. Even at even just the partnerships today, there's way more that, that could be gained there. Uh, it's ignoring adding more partnerships in the UK adding more potential partnerships internationally where open banking is live. And then as well as where it's not live, all loyalty programs. Again, I'll talk about that later. So again, even, even if this is just a subset of the investors, right, that think, okay, there is some value, but not much, you know, that they might be just way underselling how much or, or coming up with an expected value that is way too small. And then when you combine that with the other investors who are just ignoring it or don't even know what it is or don't know Carlytics is in it, it just leads to like today where no one's talking about it uh, and it's just valued at zero, right? And so this is why it's interesting to think about from an investment perspective. While there is uncertainty, right? I believe the market assumes a 0% chance of this occurring or zero, uh, $0 value. 
This could be implied by the current market cap being covered by the core Carlytics line, uh, DOSH and Bridge, and therefore assigning no value to open banking. I'll, I'll have some links later here. I've discussed that at length in other sections, and I have links uh, in my research notes, the Bridge write-up, uh, and there's somewhere else, and I have the links, and I'll, and I'll get to it later. Uh, but again, talked about this at length, that it does like imply, if you do a reverse discounted cash flow analysis on the current market cap, which I today is like $1.7 it does not take much in terms of the, 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 the just card, core Carlytics and the existing bank and no future improvements, even no bridge or DOSH or anything like that. It does not take much over a span of like 10 years in terms of those users redeeming just a small amount of money uh, in terms of cash back and or, or consumer incentive that could lead to significant revenue and enough cash flow to cover a $1.7 billion valuation. And if that's the case, then it's ignoring, well, even DOSH and bridge and let alone open banking. It's just giving you for free, right? Because again, I mean, you have this just whole like secular thing right now where, you know, most like, like it's just Carlos is getting wrapped up with everything else, right? So anyways, back to this. So some investors may agree that there are scenarios where open banking, uh, you know, the open banking line of business has some value, but not much, but assigns it a very low probability of occurring. And therefore they simply ignore it or they assign value. They might say, yes, I agree that there's, there's a chance open banking could work, but the probability of that based on what we're seeing today is very low. So I ignore it. However, I believe we now have evidence that there is traction and that there's a much higher than assumed probability of occurring and therefore a much higher expected value from the open banking line. So most of the market thinks extremely short term, right? And they only react to what is happening uh, in current time and then they adjust accordingly, right? They wait till the last minute. Oh, we heard that. Now we got to adjust. Uh, therefore, if the market today is ignoring what is possible with open banking and if a good scenario does in fact uh, occur, we would be able to purchase at the cheaper price today where it, it doesn't reflect open banking and then benefit from the market price eventually adjusting to reflect one of those good scenarios. Again, if cash flow actually starts materializing, let alone in, in amounts that are just, you know, even close to the market cap, I think it's a little more in the extreme cases, but it's like people can't, you can't ignore that. You can't just say, oh, it's not worth anything anymore. So, the, uh, the next section is why the value and probability are greater than zero. Why why should Cardlytics win, right? So uh, maybe the majority of investors are correct and nothing will amount from this. However, I believe this optionality on open banking is given to, to us for free today by the current market price. Here's where I link uh, to that section. Uh, I'll click it real quick. It's going to let me go. And so I have in the quantitative research notes where I've discussed this, the bridge write-up, uh, and then my interview on the Value Hive podcast. So what is more uh, is it should not be looked at as a 0% probability of, of a good scenario occurring, right? Like people just think, like if, if you assign and you think, oh, there's just 0% chance it's, it's going to happen. And so now we have a zero value. I think that's way too conservative, all right? That's like the reason Carlix has a much higher uh, probability of, of, of something happening because one, Carlix has competitive advantages in this space. Right, meaning like even if there's competitors, people will choose Cardlytics over others because of these competitive advantages. One, they have existing scale in some of these markets, giving an advantage of data and advertising reach. Right, the advertising reach is going to it's going to attract more advertisers, so that that will produce the best offers. And so, if you're someone who's wanting these better offers to have a better loyalty system, you probably should go with the one with the biggest reach and has access to these better offers. The other reason is Carlix has extensive experience with analyzing and advertising based on purchase data. So why would you do it in house? You maybe you're fun, you're better as a grocery store, let alone you know a loyalty program or an advertising business. So you should outsource that to somebody who is much more experienced with that. Let alone then aggregating aggregating your user side which leads to better offers. Cardlex also has trust by the largest banks, giving them social proof, right? If the banks trust them, then probably you should as well, uh, let alone that's something a lot of these other competitors would not have, right? Because there's only so few banks. 
and let alone Carlyx has a track record of no data leaks. Again, if that if you're dealing with uh, transactional and financial data, which is very you know <laughs> uh, private and important, and so it's 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 paramount, right? That you have a partner that you can trust. Let alone if the banks are trusting them. But if they have a history of you no know, no no data leaks, well maybe they're a great partner compared to someone who's just starting out where they don't have that track record because they just started out. Other things, Carlyx, like a reason why Carlyx has a more than a zero percent probability of, of something, you know actually of a value of actually occurring from this open banking line one they've already entered this space right they already are in this business this isn't something like oh they could do this they excuse me they've already entered the space and had success with the nectar connect program which has acted as a as social proof and a catalyst and has led to now the next thing where carlos is running a new pilot with todd cash back Right, one of the largest affiliate programs. I believe there's 15 million members in the UK. And now Carlix has even more interest from other UK brands, which can lead to even more partnerships and it just keeps going, right? And that's just in the UK, right? So we already have this base where, and I'll get into it, I'll give a valuation scenario based on just today of what's possible with these two programs, let alone what could happen in uh, if they expand more in the UK, let alone all of Europe, we're all internationally, and then let alone all <laughs> loyalty programs, right? The opportunity is just massive. Then again, no revenue share, so high gross profit margins, and then also high operating leverage because you're going to leverage a lot of the existing resources and technology uh, uh, and everything like that. It's just it it's could be insane again that again the assuming a zero percent probability of anything occurring with open bank for carlix um like i, I you shouldn't be assuming that okay assuming zero percent probability of anything occurring with uh, with open bank for carlix or assuming a hundred percent of scenarios result in zero dollars right where we assume Every single scenario is going to be $0. Uh, I just think that's incorrect, right? Knowing there must be at least some scenarios where the value is over $0 based on their RDO and Nectar Connect. Now we're seeing top cash back. There is something going on. So there's, there is potential of some of some good value scenarios. But again, the probability is also just not zero. Like, and it's not 100 either, right? It's somewhere in between. Uh, and that's where you have an expected value, right? And so again, if, if you're getting it today for free where it's $0, where people just assume it's all zero like well hey maybe we have one of these scenarios where it's, where it's worth a lot uh because there's a, just a slightly more than a zero percent chance of happening right and so and with each additional program that carlytic signs up the probability will continue to increase the probability of a success in, in cash flow materializing will increase uh maybe no one will ever redeem any offers in these programs so even if they keep signing up these programs maybe no one redeems offers and there's no value however the probability of this uh decreases of no one redeeming offers as as Cardlytics continues to add more programs, which attracts more advertisers and improves the relevance and attractiveness of offers, which then increases the probability of redemption. If there's really good and relevant and high value offers, users are going to be like, I'm going to redeem that, right? Why wouldn't you? It's free money. Why, why, why wouldn't you? If you just have to shift your, your spending just slightly or it's somewhere you're already spending, but you, now you're just spending more there, why wouldn't you? You're, it's free money, right? This is why the number of partnerships should be attracted. It all comes down. If Cardlist continues to sign more partnerships, it increases that advertising reach, which leads to more advertiser interest, which leads to higher and more relevant and more offers, which leads to more users opting in and redeeming these offers. So, 
okay you're like now you're saying that well how good can this get is this even worth my time even thinking about i wanted to lay out a quick scenario so if we just take for for uh you know only think of the two programs right now natural connect and assuming uh cardless continues with top cash back uh together that's about 34 million potential mmus and if we're thinking over a 10-year span if we're thinking in 10 years from now we're ignoring any future growth in those programs and we're ignoring any growth of more partnerships in the uk we're ignoring any growth of where open banking's live of all of your Europe, Australia, Asia, we're ignoring all that. Um, and we're also ignoring it just other loyalty programs. So we're just saying, nope, we're only going to focus on those two programs. Now, with open banking, users have to opt in. It's not like the banks where you sign a, a partner and then every user is like, uh, eligible for the offer offers. Users have to opt in and then share their financial data. And so we have to come up with the assumption of out of those 34 million, how many are going to opt in? And so I have come up with, I thought of a reasonably conservative amount of 15%. The way I've come up with that in the bank channel, 30% of users become engaged, right? When they all get signed up and everyone has access to the offers, it takes time for users to find it. And that still led to 30%, right? But here users are, they'll see a notification they can opt in. And so because there's that... <clears throat> That element of friction of having to manually do it, I thought maybe it gets up to 15%. Again, 10 years from now. Uh, and another way to think about this is with uh, one of the loyalty programs, uh, they had about 33% that were digitally engaged or had to have used the app. And so it's like if that's 33%, maybe half of those people would actually opt in. And so that gets to me about 15%. And so that leaves us with about 5 million MAUs. That's very small in relation to the banks of 175 million, right? And so that kind of it starts painting the picture. It's like, oh, this opportunity must be very small if we can only ever get 5 million MAUs. However, if we could get, uh, if each user, the way I always think about this, if in 10 years, could, you know, if you have the fullness of time, uh, more advertisers see this and they start placing offers, could they redeem one $10 cash back offer or loyalty points back offer uh, over the span of one year? And if we use the same conversion as in the base cardlytics, where it's $2 of revenue per $1 of consumer incentive, that leads to uh, about $102 million of revenue. And you might be thinking, is $10 a lot? Like, is that even possible? Top cash back, on average, they say users redeem up $345 in cash back per year. Honey, it was $126 million. And the reason I say, you know, like those, well, top cash back is one of the partners, right? And now cardlytics won't have all those offers. Uh, they'll be adding their own subset of offers. So it'll be a much smaller amount. But even if it's, you might even think, well, those are the most engaged users. Well, the most engaged users like in Top Cash Back are probably going to be the ones that opt in for these offers. And when they opt in, they're sharing their their, uh, their transactional data, which leads to better offers and higher amount offers. That's why Top Cash Back is doing this. So presumably, like, <laughs> it's hard to even kind of think about, but like $10, I think is over in a 10-year span, is very, very, very conservative. I, I'm trying to account also, though, that you also have like the Nectar Connect program, where maybe it's, it's a different subset of users that aren't totally looking for all this cash back. Uh, but in total, if you aggregate that, $10 in cash back in 10 years. Uh, again, one offer in one year, like let alone if it's a free offer. Again, I always think of the Panda Express one. It was $10. If you spent $10, you got $10 back. Why wouldn't you? Let alone if there's enough offers and it's relevant to you, why wouldn't you redeem that? Okay, so now you're, we're left with $102 of revenue. From there, we have 0% revenue share, and then I've assumed the same 7%, which has been the uh, of delivery cost, which has been the average over the last three years of the delivery cost. That leads to about $95 million in gross profit. And again, I mean, if we're then leverage, so so I'm thinking, okay, the UK operations are probably handling the core uh, that are already a part of the core cardlytics business because you know core cardlytics is in the UK. If they're able to handle this, right? They're handled like use the resources, uh, the personnel there to handle the this operations of like just these two programs. And given there, uh, you know, we already have the, the other resources and whatnot. Uh, 
And given that the core cardlytics business is supposed to be cash flow positive by the end of 2023, and little to uh, no additional operating expenses would be needed for this business. Again, because we can use those existing resources and we already have the technology. We're using the same new ad server. We're using the same, uh, you know, uh, you know, core card lytics, every all the technology and analytics, everything's the same. So there shouldn't be something newer created. Uh, I believe, I mean, this could just drop to the bottom line, right? This could be just pure cash flow. And so if you have, you know, if, if you, after you pay taxes and whatnot, um, Maybe that leads to around 50 to 80 million of additional cash flow. Well, again, if, if, if the core cardlytics card business is cash flow positive, right, or at least breaking even, and this is just this new stream of business that's leading to 50, 80 million dollars of, of cash flow at a 25 multiple, uh, we're at about two billion dollars of value in 10 years, right? <laughs> Which would be significant in relation today of you know two billion. This is something separate, right? This is separate than the core business. This is another two billion dollars of value. Right, and the reason this is so large, again, just to kind of take a step back, because again, we're taking this from a really small base of just two programs. The reason this is so large is due to significantly higher gross profit margins compared to the banks. Again, you're cutting it in half right away with the banks. Here, you don't, you don't have any share uh, revenue share. You have the large number of potential users, and you have, you're leveraging existing operations, technology, and resources, uh, leading to high operational uh, income margins. Right. And so as discussed before, this also still ignores, you know, further extreme levels of potential growth. We'll, we'll get into that. But again, I'm just talking about the two programs. I'm not talking about more programs in the UK. I'm not talking about higher ARPU levels. I'm not talking about, you know, all of open banking or even all loyalty programs. We're talking about what is there even just today. Right. And people are just ignoring that. They just think, oh, there's nothing from that. There's nothing. We should, well, let's just ignore that. But again, please note, this is just one scenario. That two billion of extra value, that's just one scenario of the many possible. Therefore, the probability of this one scenario occurring is not 100%, but it's also not 0% either. Right. We, they, these are programs. There's traction. Cardlytics, it's a, not a brand new line of business. It's similar to Core Cardlytics, who has had success in this area. And so, again, and we know that the reason we haven't seen so much in the UK is we haven't had enough scale there. And so, as Cardlytics keeps adding these more programs, they'll get enough scale and attract the ad demand uh and so that's it's just it's it's very interesting so again i just keep hitting this home people just assume zero value zero percent probability don't even know what open banking is think nothing's going to come of it uh but even with what there is today you could start thinking hey there could be something special here uh let alone all the other growth also if you just assume about five percent growth in like the nectar tap, uh, top cash back program or instead assume just Carlix is able in 10 years to sign one additional program with like 20 million users, which is about com comparable to those two programs, and at a 15% opt-in rate, it would lead to enough cash flow to justify the current ca uh, car uh, Carlix market cap today. And so maybe that's what other investors are doing. Maybe they're already assuming uh, that's what's going to happen. That's where the value and the growth is of Carlix is open banking, and that's what explains the current market cap. However, if that is the case, then the market uh, is ignoring all the future growth uh, from the core Carlytics business, uh, excuse me, beyond being cash flow positive by the end of 2023 and likely many other factors, right? And I, and I link where I went through and said, hey, here's all the things that would be ignoring <laughs> if that was the case. And that's a lot, right? There's just so much. And again, this is all possible because the market cap's so low. If the, if the market cap was 100 you know, billion, uh, well, you can't justify that from just open banking. But at 1.7 billion market cap as of today, you can justify that. But here's the thing. I don't think people are thinking about open banking based on my interactions with many people. Uh, more likely, the market is assuming growth from the core cardlytics business to justify the, you know, the $1.72 billion market cap today uh, and instead ignores just any value, such as the $2 billion extra value I just described, and ignores any potential growth uh, from open banking. That's what I believe. 
So the massive additional opportunity, the growth opportunity with open banking loyalty programs. So beyond investors just ignoring the possibility and the higher than 0% chance of the baseline two, uh, 2 billion scenario happening uh, and ignoring all the future growth, uh, investors are ignoring all the future growth of that is possible beyond the 2 billion uh, scenario. That was just a function of the programs today right? What about all the other programs that are possible? While it may be uh, that it has a much smaller probability of occurring, remember that, that bell shape of, yes, there's that tail of events uh, and the, pro the probability is smaller. Well, that just doesn't mean that it's, there's just zero value or zero expected value. There, it's still possible. And there's just many different scenarios that can happen, right? So I believe there are many areas of growth with open banking for Carlytics uh, that is being ignored by others, which could lead to scenarios with valuations far in excess of the 2 billion scenario, right? Because that was just two programs. What about what about ARPU, average revenue per users, that is more than the $10 or more than the $20? What if, what if it's similar to top cash back, right? Again, they're sharing their financial data, their transactional data, leading to advertisers now funding this that are leading to uh, higher offers because they can target based on, the uh, based on their transactional data, which leads to budgets that are higher than just the affiliate budgets. Top cash back is an affiliate, uh, you know, platform, right? One of the largest, but the reason they're using Carlytics is, Hey, we, we need to use this transactional data to unlock higher ad budgets to lead to higher and better offers. So that should lead to more consumer incentive redeemed, which leads to more revenue. And so I think that could be way higher than just the $10 I threw out before of consumer incentive redeemed. Carlytics could partner with more loyalty programs in the UK. So I, I kind of started depicting this. You have Nectar Connect. They can start partnering with more in the loyalty programs. They could then partner with more where open banking is live and then all of loyalty programs, even where open banking is not live. And I will get into that. There is already, I'll just even mention it here. Uh, it's ha I was listening to a conference and I believe it was Rethink Loyalty. And they're working with Rakuten and Fig uh, to do exactly what I'm almost talking about here. Essentially open banking, just they don't have access to the purchase data. And so they're placing offers for fanatics to say, hey, if you redeem these offers, we'll give you more Fanatics loyalty points, right? So there's no open banking, but they're also out, they're able to do almost the exact same thing without the transactional data. But if Carlytics does that, because it's almost exactly what they're doing with you know open banking, uh, or even with DOSH and, and the neobanks, it just unlocks tons of, of, of potential loyalty programs, let alone internationally, and get more of that international ad spend. So in general, most assume, this is a big, you know, just in general, most assume Carlytics has no value for companies with loyalty programs or when all customers are in the loyalty program. They just say, uh, you know, this is a fear by many investors where they assume if everyone's in the loyalty program, those companies will have enough data and control, ver control over the distribution of offers and therefore have no reason to use Carlytics or pay Carlytics. I hear this all the time. This is not true. <laughs> in fact, I believe Carlytics can help every loyalty program uh, and with nearly all the different cohorts within a loyalty program. So I've laid this out. I've had the most loyal customers, the semi-loyal customers and not loyal and how with open banking or, or uh, with where open banking is not live or where it is live, how Cardlytics can help. So the first segment is the most loyal customers. And then, again, this is probably the most, you know, <laughs> this is misunderstood by investors and marketers, right? But Cardlytics understands this. So what Cardlytics can offer is they can say, we can target those that are the most loyal in your store in relation to other customers, but those customers are actually spending more in the category. They could be even spending more with you, right? And that's not possible with, you know, a loyalty system because you're only seeing the purchase data inside your store. You don't know what they're spending outside your store. Carlytics does. So these existing customers are cheaper to convert. It's five times more uh, expensive to convert new customers, right? 
existing customers are familiar with your, your company. It's easy to convert them and spend more. And they're, they're, they're more likely to spend more than the new customers, Six, about 60, 67% more, making them just a much more valuable target, right? And this is an extremely misunderstood idea by many investors and marketers, which was made apparent uh, by only 4% of advertisers saying their biggest growth opportunity was uh, with infrequent or lapsed customers. Only 4%, right? But this ability of Carlix explains why we consistently see top brands with the largest loyalty program still use Carletics, right? If that was the case, you would never see Carletics use Car uh, Starbucks anymore, right? They use Bridge, which is for the not loyal. They say, hey, we can't identify some of these people that are not our loyal program, but the ones that are, they might be spending more at Dunkin' or, or uh, some other coffee shop in the category, and so we should try to convert them. Uh, the source, I've included the link to the source of these numbers. Now you have this middle section, the semi-loyal customers, right? That Carlix does not talk about. And this goes back to what I'm almost thinking about, especially with the open banking. Because what, what they're trying to do with like Nectar Connect is instead of giving, you know, half a percent or 1% back on purchases outside the store, they want to use open banking to then get users to give their purchase data, which allows, you know, the advertisers to target based off that and then fund the offers, which allow instead of one to 2% back, maybe 10, 15 plus percent back on those offers, which increases the willingness, it increases the incentive for customers to share their financial data as well as to be loyal to the program. They're now, hey, I have a reason now to spend more elsewhere because I'm saving more, right? And so we're open banking, it's not live, right? Because that's where open banking's live, where it's not live. I believe Carlos can essentially do what Rethink Loyalty is doing with Fanatics or what, their, or what Dosh is doing with the Neobanks and say, hey, we can, instead of you just having the one to 2% back elsewhere, we're going to integrate Dosh and have the entertainment offers, the bridge offers. So instead of one to 2% back on these other purchases, we'll be using these uh, more affiliate based that are less based on purchase data. So they're smaller in amount, but they're still five to 10%, uh, maybe even more. Uh, and so we're going to, we're going to leverage that for your semi-loyal to increase the incentive. So maybe it's Target or even Walmart. Walmart has 1% back on purchases, I think, 1% to 2% back on purchases outside of Walmart and maybe 5% on Walmart, right? Well, maybe someone's like, oh, that, that, I'm not going to use that card elsewhere, right? Well, if you bump that up to 10% <laughs> from, you know, advertisers funding this, well, then they might be like, oh, I'm going to sign up for that card. And so now they're using that card more. And then they're earning, instead of cash back, maybe they're earning, you know, Walmart, you know, points to use at Walmart. And so then it increases the spend back at Walmart, that's why everyone, it just, it's a win-win opportunity and it fits exactly into Carlitis core competence. So Carlitis can then sell themselves as a complete package for loyalty programs, such as to someone like Target. Uh, Bridge, so they could say, hey, Bridge is helpful to identify those remaining customers that are not your loyalty program, uh, nor are they buying online. We can identify them. Uh, we can also increase the incentive to sign up for your Target red card and earn significantly more cash back elsewhere, not in Target, by leveraging DOSH, entertainment, and bridge offers. We can then also know if your most loyal customers are spending more in the grocery stores, uh, in other grocery stores, and, and we'll send them offers via uh, Cardletics. So they might be spending $500 a month in Target, which is very high in proportion to all your other customers, but those same customers are actually spending maybe $900 a month uh, at Walmart or Kroger. And so uh, you won't know that because you only have the Target data. We know that. So we can send them an offer let alone let's 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 even better let's integrate bridge and use uh skew level data and, and have the cpgs fund those offers to convert those customers back right so i think i think you can just be card list could be just this complete package for loyalty programs which is quite ironic in the fa fact that everyone says oh if everyone's in a loyalty program there's no use for card anymore when i think 
yes, there is. And there just needs to be a way to sell that, right? So unlocking this additional set of loyalty programs as partners leads to significantly more potential ad spend, especially when you start accounting for uh, international partners, right? Or you're just trying to say, hey, you can just leverage, you can start signing up like... If you have a bridge client, it's more easy to, to upsell these additional features. Or if they're interested in one feature versus the other, it's like, hey, now you can become a Cardlytics client or you can become a bridge client. It just all feeds on. They're all they're all so related that it's so much easier to upsell and monetize all these assets. So the right tail of the valuation outcome. So I've kind of, you know, I've talked about it in terms of, you know, how much more there is to scale in terms of, you know, outside of just the UK, uh, you know, well, in the UK, because you have just the two programs today, or really just one, because the other one's a pilot. So then more in the UK, more internationally, and then even that next you know big bucket of just all loyalty programs. So one way from Core Cardlytics, uh, Dosh, Bridge, and Open Banking, we have some margin of safety because there's multiple ways uh, for cash flow to occur to more easily justify the two billion or 1.7 billion valuation for Cardlytics and protect our investment at today's prices. Excuse me. That is not possible <laughs> if the if the market cap was. 17, 20, 100 billion, right? DOSH or Bridge or Open Banking on its own, maybe not, wouldn't be able to support it. You need everything pretty much to work right. That doesn't, then that's that's a potential scenario, uh, but there's less margin of safety of that based on today, right? But at a market price of 1.7 billion, and we've already went through one just good scenario of like 2 billion happen uh, with just Open Banking, right? It's like, okay, we have some margin of safety because there's multiple ways that this could all work out for Cardlytics. So alternatively, from the margin of safety uh, perspective, uh, there is the option of the or the free or the option of free optionality of the open banking scenarios uh, with cash flow far in excess of the hypothetical you know good you know two billion of extra value right I believe again if we're getting this option for free where people are just ignoring open banking completely and this could actually be more than two billion well great I mean like again it, it, it's just anything can happen and we're getting this option for free. So we might as well wait and see what happens. So just for an illustrative purposes, I kind of use this in the, the, the one of the op opening. Uh, but how I've thought about this is you have, again, the yellow is what most others believe, right? Where they think you, so on the, you know, Y axis, it's the number of outcomes or the frequency where the higher the frequency, the higher the probability, right? Uh, and so with the what, uh, with the yellow, what other people believe, they say almost 100% of the outcomes are almost zero. There's some that are slightly above zero, but below 1 billion. And so, but the, and those have a smaller probability. And so in total, the expected value is very small, right? And so, and this leads to just, yeah, overall expected value, very small. Where blue would be more what I believe. Again, yes, there's outcomes where this has zero value. Absolutely. But I believe on average, most of the outcomes are around maybe an additional 2 billion of value based on what we said before, right? And then you have this far right tail, right? Where it says you have, you know, have the one layer of the, just the UK loyalty programs, but then you add on everywhere open banking is live and over 10 years so there's gonna be probably more countries that have open banking and then you layer on all loyalty programs and again it's it's just a possible outcome where the valuation or the, the cash flow from that scenario is very high uh, which leads to high value but again the probability that's why there's no blue marks is very low right the farther you go in the right tail the smaller the probability but it's still possible nonetheless and so I just kind of like, this was just one way I've been, I've been trying to like think about it, right? And under the curve should be like 100% of the outcomes. And so you could just, it's a one way to think about the probabilities. And I have actually just, I kind of threw, the, I threw these numbers together just to give you an idea of how it would match and how it lead to expected value. Where like the yellow again, people say, okay, almost all, out of all the outcomes, you know, 96% of the outcomes are all zero. Yes, there's some value like where this could get in the billions, uh, but it's very low probability. And in total, uh, it's zero value, right? And this would only be for the subset 
subset of people who know what open banking is and know that Carlix is in it and acknowledge that there's some value, right? And even that, they might just be thinking there's just not much. And so that just, that's, again, I'm just throwing these numbers out here just to get an idea of maybe how people would arrive, uh, even though they're probably not going through calculations like this. And neither really am I, right? This is just kind of like a way to kind of thought, thought about it. Where for me, it's like, hey, I acknowledge there's outcomes where this is zero, but based on the competitive advantages, the, the existing partnerships, the existing operations in the UK, the traction and everything else, actually, I think, and because now you also have high rev, uh, high gross profit margins, you have high operating leverage, this is, you know, relevant to their business and, and just a nice tangent business, um, or it's the exact same business, just in a different way, or just internationally, really. It's like the probability is much higher that it's going to be more than zero. And so then, you, I mean, again, there's some high value scenarios, but there's very low probability occurring. But on average, like, hey, maybe this is an expected value of $2 billion of additional value from the open banking line right? Not zero. And again, if, if the market cap was a hundred billion, this would be, you'd be sitting here. Why are you talking about this? This is a 2% difference. I'm talking about this because well, one, the market caps 1.7 billion today and let alone that like, okay. Because, and if I'm getting this for free because people think it's zero, well, what if like any of these scenarios happen? That's great. But what if one of these really high value scenarios happen even better, right? And again, we're not trying to think this isn't a game of Oh, what is the market assuming? Are they assuming it's 1.7, 1.3, 1. 1. We're not doing that. Market's almost just assuming zero dollars of value. And we're just trying to say, is it more than that? Is there a, and it doesn't have to be hundred percent. Is there at least a probability of that? And I think there is. And so I'll, and I'll get, I'll, I'm, I'll keep getting into more and more detail as we go on and, and really justify all this. And so one way to visualize this, uh, or this right tail of these high value scenarios, uh, this long runway where we could have these, you know, high cash flow generation is, you know, open banking has this long runway. Carlos can experience growth in the, uh, revenue per user within the existing program. So instead of just, you know, the $10 of redemption or $20 of ARPU, it could be much higher. You could also have opt-ins higher, right? Instead of the 15% or even, you know, Nectar Connect today is at 2 0.6%, right? 500,000 of the 19 million members. So over time, we can see more opt-ins. So within the existing programs, it's going to have growth. And then outside the programs, you have all, you know, outside, you could go more uh, in the UK, more internationally, and then anywhere open banking is even not live because of all loyalty programs. So um, all the while, not only do these factors multiply together, for revenue, uh, you have it equal to approximately gross profit because there's no revenue share or in really high gross profit margins. And then almost all of this is cash flow since there's relatively low operating expenses and uh, from most being generally fixed and leveraging existing operations, technology, and resources. I do go through some high value scenarios where I actually try to quantify this. And when I do that, I do account for higher. You're going to need more resources. You're going to have to have uh, more people in, uh, internationally. And so I account for that right? And significantly in the billions, right? I, I, maybe I just do like a billion dollars of, of additional operating expenses in some of those high value scenarios. But at Carlix today, they're at 200 million, like around there of operating expenses when you do some adjustments. So 1 billion is to me reasonable. <laughs> Even better, these factors do not grow in isolation. Instead, the growth of one factor leads to growth in another. As Carlix signs more partners, it leads to increases their advertising reach, which in turn attracts more advertisers, with more advertisers comes more offers, increasing the likelihood of relevance uh, for these users and their higher in amount. This leads to higher engagement and, and uh, with existing users, they're redeeming more offers and growth in more users uh, opting in. They have more an incentive to opt in, uh, you know, to take advantage of these more offers, higher amount offers and more relevant offers. So it just keeps going. So this uh, this then, you know, having these more opt-ins and then more, this more engagement in these programs from these more offers leads to, you know, more programs saying, hey, we want to do that. We want that kind of level of engagement and just keeps this perpetual growth engine going, right? <laughs> it, you know, more partners, more 
more reach, more advertisers, leads more offers, which leads to higher engagement, more opt-ins, which attracts more advertisers. So the key and the hardest part is needing a catalyst to start this virtuous cycle, right? How does this get going, right? What's, what's going to be the thing that to get the cycle going? That's where social proof comes into play. So where B of A was the social proof to, uh, for banks to say, hey, we should partner with Cartlytics. They have that, wow, they partnered with one of the biggest banks. We, sh we should do that as well. Um, or they trusted them, so should we. Or Venmo with Dosh. Uh, that was a huge neobank that led to all the new neobanks and uh, fintechs to partner. I mean, that was, that was a huge one that has now led to about, uh, I think, 32 partners with Dosh. Nectar Connect is the social proof that will lead to more programs to get the, to criti critical scale to meet the access demand. You needed that large program where Nectar Connect or Nectar is about 19 million members. It's one of the first ones, so a first mover advantage with the open banking aspect. And that has now attracted other uh, you know, programs like Top Cash Back. Cardlytics will need to continue to sign more programs to reach critical scale to attract the new subset, subset of high value advertisers. Therefore, Cardlytics should continue uh, to or should try to follow the Dosh playbook in regards to signing up more uh, uh, partners in record size and timing. I mean, they've been doing a great job of signing up all these uh, partners for Dosh. So in total, we have the evidence of traction starting again the Nectar Connect program having success, leading to top cash back and more interest from others, and let alone going from sixty-five thousand opt-ins to five hundred thousand uh, within you know several months. So in an end state, if we started to try to think about this, uh, we could see some numbers that almost feel silly mentioning, right? Just insane. Again, 100% gross profit or near 100% gross profit margin, high operating leverage, massive scale because we're internationally. Uh, you know, it might be ridiculous to think about it, but I've linked where I've actually done this <laughs> or how I've thought about this. However, we don't have to be exactly right on what that number is, uh, given it is priced in today at zero, uh, as if none of it will occur. Right? If we are right about the core Carlytics business or Dosh or Bridge, uh, because any one of those could potentially cover the market cap under certain scenarios, but maybe they have a lower probability of occurring. Uh, so we don't need to be right about everything. We just need to be right about you know maybe one of those happening. Uh, then again, if that's true, that between the other lines of business covering the market cap, right? Like Carlytics or Bridge or Dosh cover it in. Well, then we're getting free optionality on this open banking line. Therefore, my focus, like for the rest of this, uh, is on these high-value scenarios, uh, then that are even better than the baseline two billion of value, and why I believe there's a higher probability this is scenarios occurring. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over. Uh, I know we've already been talking for almost an hour, <laughs> uh, but for those who are still curious, and because I, I think I, I've I've done so much work on this, I'm gonna go into what open banking is. Uh, you know why there's zero percent revenue share, what it actually is. I'm gonna go into all, you know all the factors of the growth uh, in the UK where open banking is live, and then go into depth of the whole loyalty program solution, like like a target red card, and then some valuation. But uh, you know other thing is always I can be wrong. Right, I could be wrong and have the facts wrong. Possibly uh, more so here because there's a shorter history with the open banking operations and less detail from management just in general on open banking. I could also be incorrectly assessing the situation, right? Or I could be correctly assessing the situation and I could have all the the, the scenarios right, the probabilities right, but the probability where none of this occurs or the scenario where none of this occurs, maybe that's the one that happens, right? So. It, like nothing it's so possible that nothing happens from this or maybe tomorrow regulation changes or cartlix determines they no longer uh, are going to be continuing this line of business of open banking or maybe the business goes away from increased levels of risk from open banking due to the nature of the business and again including the footnotes where i've talked about this increased level of risk with open banking however none of these have deterred me <laughs> from researching and thinking about the possible outcomes i find it fascinating to think about uh that there is a possibility for higher 
uh, for significantly larger than expected outcomes that others will not even consider because you you seem foolish for even just considering these outcomes, right? If it's so much farther or so much larger than today's market cap, people think, oh, there's no way that's gonna happen because you know I'm sm I'm smart, uh, and so I would have thought of that or uh, everyone else would have thought about that, and that's totally true, right? That's why I could be wrong, uh, but however, there's just there's still the optionality. So um, the remainder of this article uh, or this post will go in more in depth of everything else. If you enjoy, you know, if you've ever got any value from these write-ups, you've got, you know, learned any investment insights or discoveries or enjoyed, you know, what's being shared, feel free uh, to become a premium subscriber. There's, I have been blown away by the amount that have been subscribing and getting access to my qualitative and quantitative research notes. And again, I think more so here, I have a lot of detail in regards to open banking in those research notes. So if you haven't already, make sure you become a subscriber and check out those research notes. So in terms of what is open banking and why it's important to Carletics, the overarching theme of open banking is the consumers own the data and not the banks. And so this allows the financial data to become portable uh, and to share with third parties such as Carletics. Essentially the financial data is in the hands of the consumer and uh, they can choose who to share it with. Cardlytics can benefit by no longer being limited to just partnering with the banks since they can partner with others, such as loyalty programs, where then users can share their primary transactional data and gain access to much better rewards from advertisers willing to target and place offers uh, based on that data. So loyalty programs uh, can partner with Cardlytics, and the reason they would do that is because, is because Cardlytics has existing scale in some of these markets, like the UK, where they already have operations, and, and giving them an advantage with that extra scale of data and advertising reach. The larger the advertising reach, the more advertisers interested, I mean, the better rewards. Cardlytics also has extensive experience with analyzing advertising based on purchase data. So a competitor coming in just starting from scratch, they don't have the 10 plus years of experience that Carlix does with advertising and analyzing purchase data for advertising. Uh, Carlix has trust by the largest banks, giving them social proof. And given there's not that many banks, <laughs> a competitor wouldn't really have that. Uh, also, a competitor wouldn't have much of a track record if they're just starting out, like Carlix does, of no data leaks. And then Carlix has the ability to aggregate the user side to lead to higher ad reach to attract advertisers to place better offers within the loyalty programs making it so that car like loyalty programs wouldn't do this on their own. So open banking, uh, that uh, like what this also allows is for international expansion, right? Open banking is live uh, in Europe, Asia, Australia, and I believe more. So this gives Cardlix the opportunity to expand much more than just where they are today. Even better is the 0% revenue share. Uh, is So we have heard at Investor Day that there was zero revenue share multiple times and so and i'm going to go over this so again no revenue share with open banking it's just it's something that's always interested me right given carlos gross profit margin would be revenue share minus revenue uh or revenue their gross profit <laughs> let me repeat the gross profit their gross profit will be revenue minus the revenue share minus delivery cost uh, the gross profit percentage could be then near 100% if revenue share was zero and the average delivery cost on core Carlix business had been 7%. And so I've linked where I've got that number from. So the reason for no revenue share with open banking partners is similar to the neobanks and fintechs with Dosh who care more about the engagement benefits. Dosh, I think they, they have lower revenue share or maybe none with some of the new ones. Uh, so it just it, it's already lower than banks, but then open banking, again, it's almost zero. And this is why Dosh partners are supposed, oh yeah, that's why we've heard that about Dosh also. They care more about the banking or about the engagement, so they have lower revenue share. And now also, given Cardless can leverage existing technology and resources, again, they already have, uh, you know, 
employees out in the UK. This is a very similar line of business, so they can use the same ad server and all the other technology. And a little additional capital resources are needed as this business scales. So again, you just plug and play with the, the loyalty programs, and then the advertisers use, you know, especially if you get self-service, it leads to, you know, the high gross profit margin or the, whole, the high gross profit could lead to high levels of cash flow, which if the core cardlytics business is, go, is going to be cash flow positive by 2023, this could materialize in cash flow. Like we, we could actually see this in financial statements. However, for any of this potential cash flow to materialize, there will need to be sufficient scale. Uh, with the core Carlix business, uh, uh, like they, they had yet to reach sufficient scale to meet ad demand like in the UK already, right? So there's untapped excess ad demand there. But it should be easier to scale with open banking since you're no longer limited just to the, the banks there. And there's not that, there's not too many large banks in the UK. And so uh, you can build a partner with the loyalty programs to get to that, that, that scale and meet that ad demand and lead to all this high value creation. So as a reminder, the reason the banks, just to hit this home with the revenue share, as a reminder, the reason the banks have received such high revenue share is from them providing the data. It's coming from the banks, not the users. Now the data is coming from the users. They're the ones in control. It's their data. They're the ones sharing, for, sharing it. Therefore, since the FI share or the revenue share or the rev share has been, quote, based on the relative contribution of the data provided by the FI partner to the overall delivery of the service, right? If the user is now providing the data, well, then the contribution for the partner, like the loyalty program, is minimal or zero. They're not contributing the revenue, uh, any of the data. And so it could possibly, that's why it's being defaulted right now to just zero revenue share to like the loyalty programs. Cardlytics already has experience in this area, area with large amounts of transactional data and is a trusted partner given their experience and also trusted with the largest banks. So uh, when you add on knowing these programs are more concerned with the loyalty and the engagement and they're willing to trust them, it all leads to that 0% revenue share. One important thing I just want to point out that I was thinking about, and it relates here with open banking, or at least with partners like Top Cashback who has who have existing offers is the following language with the 10K. And essentially it says it has different FI share based on who secured the relevant marketer. So you could think there'd be different revenue share uh, like on Top Cashback where essentially the way I've thought about it is Cardlytics was not gonna get any revenue share on the existing offers and Top Cashback, which makes sense, but they'll get 100% uh, or they'll get or they'll, they'll get 0%, they'll get 0% revenue from those existing offers, but they'll have 100% gross profit margin on all the offers they provide. So I just thought that was something important to point out. And so summing this all up, again, you have all this large scale, you have the ability to uh, grow internationally with no revenue share. It's just, and again, it, it, leveraging all existing operations and technology, I just think this is just a huge opportunity could lead to a lot of cash flow. So in terms of Nectar Connect, right? This was the first big program, both by Cardlytics and in just open banking in general. Uh, so Cardlytics was the first open banking initiative. Uh, their first one was in the UK with Sainsbury's Nectar loyalty program. And I called this aspect Nectar Connect. That's the way I've understood it. And so Nectar Connect la launched June 2nd, 2021, uh, which was the largest UK open banking launch with, I think at the launch there were 65,000 users, or at least when they started announcing it, right? And there's about 19 million members in the Nectar program. So there's a long runway there. And so to get into the, uh, get customers in the program, an employee or an email or notification was sent regarding how to earn Sainsbury points. It says unlock more points by connecting. So they would connect their bank account, which uh, instead of getting the half to a percent or 1% back, they could now get up to like 15% back or 30 points. Cause I think 30 points was about 15% back from what I was researching. And so by opting in, they would be giving access to their transactional data to Cardlytics and users could then get deals outside of Sainsbury. 
Therefore, they were incentivizing users, Cardlytics and Nectar were incentivizing users to share their bank data in exchange for more loyalty points. And so I just wanted to provide a visual that shows that the offers to earn more Nectar points by shopping at other stores. So this is part of the Nectar program. And so you would be redeeming these 20 points or like 10%, 5%, 10% back. Uh, and that you could you would earn those points for Nectar and, re and redeem at Sainsbury or through Nectar because I think it's more than just uh, the Sainsbury store. And again, these offers are only possible from connecting your bank account via open banking and using Nectar Connect. And one thing I want to note is that you have to re-opt in every 90 days. So that's one additional point of friction. So customers like this because, hey, now they're able to get way more in cash back. Loyalty programs like this because they can get access to much higher offers because now advertisers are the ones funding them uh because now like think of top cash back you might be thinking why is top cash back doing this i had to think about this for a sec well because right now they only have the affiliate ad budgets because they don't have the purchase data but now once they bring in the purchase data you, advertisers might go beyond the affiliate ad budgets which are usually typically small because they're less targeted you might be you know giving offers to people who always spend like like you would hate to give this offer this papa john's offer to someone who spent is the most loyal papa john's customer and goes there every time but now once you have purchase data well now you can target customers better and unlocks and you're willing to spend more and making sure that you're targeting uh more appropriately so that's why loyalty programs like it and that's why advertisers like it uh advertisers are willing to use carlitis because uh they're they have the benefit of this dedicated resource again like sainsbury like they're they're not, or nectar they're more focused like on their grocery store uh rather than advertising right and carlos has all this experience and they can be they can do this and they can aggregate all the users to get to the scale needed to attract the advertisers and so uh, additionally, advertisers like going through Carlix since they can reach many more users at one time because of this combined reach. There was an interesting uh, Tegas transcript I was reading where they were just talking about this and they were just saying uh, they didn't even want to work with Amex anymore. They were, haven't done it anymore because, again, it's just limited to that one bank, even though there's that many users. So you can see why they like advertisers need enough scale because there's alternatives that have a lot of scale, like other social media platforms. So why would you go with one? It's just a lot of work if there's not enough, you can't spend enough, and you, if you had to replicate that over every single loyalty program or every small bank. That's the benefit of Cardlytics is aggregating that demand that leads, and then everyone else wins. So growth within existing par uh, partnerships and growth within loyalty programs in the UK. So for context, again, ask Cardlytics. I keep saying this, but as they keep adding these, these partners and then uh, more partnerships in the UK, their ad reach increases, making it much more likely to meet that excess ad demand. Again, you have their ad demand in the UK. They just need more reach, like we just talked about. Once Cardlytics gets that, they start spending more. So as advertisers start spending more and placing more offers, engagement and the attractiveness of the programs increase, increase leading to more opt-ins as well as you know people redeeming more uh but all that higher engagement leads to more programs signing up hey we might as well go there they have the best offers and the reason they have the best offers and the highest engagement is because they're already the largest and it just keeps going right um <laughs> uh, and so this, and again, I've done this, you know, flywheel before, and this was the more detailed one I've included uh, for all of Cardlytics and how I've thought about it, right? And what I find interesting here is, is other companies like Walmart, Costco, Amazon have continued this virtuous cycle uh, from using the, the benefits of scale, right? Their own benefits of scale. We've talked about Cardlytics benefits of scale is for advertisers, but here it's for, uh, you know, they can lower their prices uh, and it, like they have, you know, economies of scale where they save money, but then they take that saving and pass it on to the consumer who then saves more money. Money, and that keeps that virtuous cycle going. Here, you have a very similar process where the scale benefits uh, for the advertisers leads to more offers place for the users, 
leading them to those users saving more money. So in both cases, the scale benefits lead to the user saving more money and continuing the virtuous cycle. So I just, I don't think this point should be diminished because an end state could be uh, that users with these cards could have five, 10, 15%. If you have enough advertisers places, enough offers, you know, most transactions then, you could be saving five, 10, 15%, which is much more than the one to 3% cash back on other cards. And so this could lead to pressure from the remaining banks or loyalty programs, large and small, to adopt Cardlytics as a solution because it's not even a function of differentiation. Everyone's like, oh, you gotta have differentiation. Well, there's no differentiation in one to 2% cash back, right? There's differentiation. If you have three, you know, five, 10, 15% and everyone else, and, and uh, you know, you yourself only have one to three percent, so it's not even differentiation. The five, 10, 15 percent is the table stakes, and you have to do that. You have to use card lists to do that. Otherwise, who's going to use your card, right? One to three percent back when I can get all this over here doesn't even make sense, right? And so, I just think that will only continue this growth engine. So, the other aspect was the social proof, and the only way I could think that the flywheel would ever get started with the open banking initiative, initiative was with. Uh, if the first one of, of Nectar Connect led to more, right? Essentially, Carlix needed the social proof with open banking. I've done a video on this, but again, Venmo is the social proof for the neobanks, fintechs, B of A for the rest of the banks. Um, and again, I just thought this is such a strong concept of social proof because it's not just a, a general psychological uh, concept. It's not even just a business concept. We've seen this in Carlytics, right? We've seen it with Venmo. We've seen it with or with Dosh and with B, uh, with the banks and B of A. And so it just seems, hey, we have very similar characteristics here with open banking that increases the odds of this actually happening. Therefore, Nectar Connect could have this could be the same catalyst that leads to other programs using Carlytics. Better yet, given what was announced during the Q4 earnings, uh, we now know that's actually what is occurring. So we have this proof of a catalyst uh, where Q4 earnings, they said, quote, the Nectar Connect program now has uh, half a million members, making it one of the largest open banking initiatives in Europe. Due to the success of this program, we've seen strong interest from other large UK brands and we're on track to launch our second open banking initiative in Q2. We've been running a pilot with Top Cash Back, one of the largest traditional affiliate pro, uh, uh, publishers in Europe with over 15 million UK members. So the one reason this is important is it shows the social proof is working. The success of Netter Connect led to interest from others, including Top Cash Back. And so again, CDX, Carlyx needed a larger partnership to show, uh, it, like they needed it to be large and they needed to show success to attract more partners and get this flywheel started. And so as Carlytics adds more partnerships, they will get that, they'll reach that critical scale, which will attract more advertisers, leading to more offers, higher amount offers, more relevant offers, which then leads to benefits for existing partnerships, where then users will increase opt-ins and it'll have interest, uh, you know, for others to opt in and share their data and lead to more people wanting to partner, right? In order for this to work, Carlyx just needs to keep signing up more open banking partners and to get to that critical scale for advertisers because I don't think they're there yet. Again, you might have a ton of, you know, 19 million MAUs, but you have a small amount of opt-ins. So you got to keep signing, you got to keep getting more and more uh, partners. This was the same thing needed with the core business, the core Cardlytics, where critical scale for advertisers was not reached until signing Chase and Wells Fargo. That's why it took so long for this to go on. And now we just reached that on core Cardlytics. If Carlos can replicate the success though of Dosh, which has been signing new partners, just like in record, pay, record pace and timing, 
I think open banking can do very well, right? Leverage whoever's running that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't want to single out people who I think it is in the business, but I believe there's some top uh, executives who have been doing a great job uh, with Dosh. And here, I, you know, I lay out where they just been. You know, they only had seven initially. Now I think they're at 32. These are all the ones that have been announced. Um, I still think a firm's one of them. Crypto.com was a big one. Uh, I, I just think if they can replicate that with open banking, if they've shown the success with just Dosh, and which is similar of, of the Neo Banks and Fintechs, if you just do this for loyalty programs, uh, and essentially it could even be a, a stronger value proposition because of the transactional data that you're unlocking, I just think it could be massive. So why I believe there's a 0% probability of growth in loyalty programs in the UK, again, in general, at the core Carletics level, the reason Carletics works is from scale advantages. No single bank or loyalty program on their own can attract all the top advertisers, right? Again, I talked about that Tegas call where they said AMX even on their own wasn't enough. So Cardlytics aggregates the demand of the user side, which attracts advertising reach. Um, and so what's interesting is you have so much fragmentation. The, like the banks, there wasn't much fragmentation. There was only a few, but they still didn't have enough advertising reach on their own. So they had to bundle them together through Cardlytics. Neo banks and fintechs, even more fragmentation. And then the last level, uh, level is the loyalty programs with tons of fragmentation. Think of all the different restaurants and stores that each have their loyalty program. And so <laughs> this leads to many more loyalty programs that could be interested in partnering with Cardlytics to aggregate their, their advertising reach. Uh, one may think that makes sense why a loyalty program cannot do it internally but why would they go with carlytics why carlytics again i've talked about this they have extensive experience with uh analyzing and advertising based on this purchase data someone just starting out a competitor wouldn't have that so if they can't do it internally and they're looking elsewhere, they're not going to do it if, if someone else doesn't have experience. The, the trust, Carlos has the trust by the largest banks, giving them that social proof. There's not that many banks, so competitors, it's going to be harder for them to have that same kind of, uh, you know, nice defining characteristic. Track record of no data links, right? Someone just starting out, they're not going to have that track record. And that to me is very important because they're dealing with financial data here. Uh, existing scale in the UK. Carlix has already been operating there, so they might be able to leverage that and start combining that with the open banking initiatives. And so they already have scale leading to already being able to get to better offers. And then Carlix has already entered the space with Nectar Connect. So they already have the ground going. They have that first mover manage, uh, advantage, which has leaded as, acted as social proof and a catalyst leading to further programs such as Top Cash Back. And so that first uh, mover advantage is leading to larger scale than others in the UK, other competitors that they that, that are out there, making it harder for others to compete for these loyalty programs. If you're a loyalty program, why do it internally or someone else other than Carlytics? If Carlytics has the best offers and rewards from having so much already larger scale, which leads to the highest level of engagement and loyalty to your program, right? Because they're the biggest. Their scale leads to these benefits and in turn, tracks more programs because if they're already the biggest and have the best benefits it leads to more using them which only continues to make them bigger making it harder to compete and so due to these competitive advantages i believe other loyalty programs will go uh, with cardlytics over others or at least there's a higher percentage of or a lot of them will go with cardlytics therefore i believe there's a greater than zero percent probability of cardlytics signing up uh more open banking partners i think they'll sign up more right even better there are many large and well-known uk uh programs that could be potential partners again in my research notes um uh, i think i link it Ooh, went, i shouldn't have done that uh, I go into my research notes and I detail, I go through IAG and uh, all the airlines, I go through Boots, um, Morrison's Co-op, uh, Tesco, the, I, I go into detail of all these programs. I've kind of just listed down below here that it could be, you know, in total like 104 million potential users. Um, 
Again, when assessing this and summing it up, it's possible there's significant overlap. Again, like the obvious, uh, the currency, there's there's already existing relationships where you can transfer the points among them. So there might be users that, that are of both of them. So it's kind of hard to think about um, of terms of, you know, what is the total TAM here? And there's a way I think about this. Uh, when Again, in my research notes, I go into depth of thinking of the best case and how to actually model this and think about what is that great, amazing scenario. Uh, so for all of you, the large amount of you that already have, my uh, access to the research notes from being premium subscribers make sure you read that additionally one thing to know is with like like the tesco with like 20 million members only 6.6 million have the app which will be required for carlytics to benefit right if they don't have the app and they just have a card they'll never see the option to opt in so that 33 percent of total member like that's only 33 percent of total members and so maybe it's out of the 104 we assume maybe 33 percent will be eligible to opt in right uh but top cash back i think almost 100 percent have to be digitally engaged for that even to work and so i've thought about okay maybe we include all top cash back and then 33 percent of the rest um however i believe that's overly conservative because i think we're going to keep seeing more opt-in and maybe more actually download the app because they have more reason to because as you keep you know uh as Cardless keeps signing more, gets more and more advertisers, it will increase not only the number of opt-ins they're willing to share their data, but it has increases the reason to download the app. If you hear from somebody, hey, I get 10 to 15% back on all my purchases, someone might be like, what? Like, I only get 1% back. I'm going to download the app. So that could increase that app download, which only increases uh, the reason for people to partner with Cardlytics. So growth within the existing programs. Think Nectar Connect. How can that grow? So while it is likely to see growth within existing programs, the difficulty is that it does require opt-ins every 90 days. You have to re-opt in and give access to your data. However, one key insight is although though the number of users within the program is small in relation to what's possible, like 500,000 Nectar Connect versus the 19 million Nectar, the awareness and the engagement of those users who opt in are very, very high, right? Think about it. The reason the users must, like the reason is because the users must literally choose to connect and share their offers made possible by open banking in order to receive the offers. They have to like actively, consciously say, oh, I want those offers. I will share my <laughs> my my data to get access to the offers. They're fully aware of it. And this difference differs from like the Carlix, uh, like the bank MAUs were high proportion. Like they send up a bank, all the uh, MAU or all the users get access to the offers. Well, a lot of them might not even know Carlix exists. Therefore it'd be like, I don't think it's correct to assume, oh, out of the MAUs only 30% are engaged, right? Uh, I think it's a very, very large portion of those 500,000 are engaged, right? And so while there still is a hurdle to sign up one customer at a time within one program, which is why Nectar Connect is only at 500,000 uh, versus the 19 million possible, I think we'll see growth within each program and the growth of number of programs. But in terms of the growth within each program, like Nectar with 500,000, this should increase as the offers improve, which in turn is a function of growth in advertising reach to attract more uh, uh, advertisers. I've just consistently had this theory. Like there is no reason you will not see more and more people opt in if they get more and more offers, higher amount offers and that are relevant to you. I was doing some research and I watched this YouTube video of discussing Nectar. And sure enough, the person when they're discussing Nectar and the offers are like, now these are quite healthy. Uh, you know, instead of getting one point back, you're getting 20 points back, which is really good. And that's the equivalent of 10% back. But as you can see, there really isn't a huge number of retailers. Uh, what are we looking at? A dozen? <laughs> so they even said, nah, maybe I wouldn't opt in. 
So again, the reason they're not opting in is because there's not enough offers. So if the offers approve, they're higher back, higher cash back, there's more relevant to them and increases the incentive to opt in. And so this to me validated my theory. So as Carlist adds more programs, increases their MAU count, uh, they attract more advertisers and offers, which will lead to the number of people who sign up for these ex existing programs will increase. And again, it's a form of the scale benefit shared in a sense that as Carlytics grows, the original customers benefit in the form of being able to save more money. Interesting enough, like in this video <laughs> that I linked up here, uh, he even talks about using it. He's like, oh, and then you can also use that card uh, with top cash back. And I just thought that was interesting of thinking, seeing how they were thinking about top cash back, but also that top cash back is actually used and still relevant. So further indi in, uh, indication that we could see growth within existing programs like Nectar is from just even the growth that we've already seen from June 2nd, when there were 65,000, you know, registered customers, uh, we are now like, we heard that out of the 19 million that they're at 500,000 have opt-in from 65,000 in June of just last year. So in less than one year, they've went up almost like 10 X in customer signing in. So we're top cash back. We heard that there's 15 mi So, and, that, and there's a long runway given there's 19 million members and a part of Nectar. And so with top cash back, there's 15 million. And given, I think the only way to use top cash back is, is through digital channels. There could be a much higher percentage of them uh, compared like that will opt in compared to Nectar connect. So, Further reasons why we could see more growth uh, within existing programs. We've heard that it's a part, uh, the, like Nectar was on the new ad server, which has already, you know, higher engagement benefits, maybe allow for better, uh, you know, visuals, kind of like what we were seeing up here. I mean, these are already, if we go back to the Nectar program, man, it's way up here. Like these are already better. So if you can add in more pictures, though, that will lead to higher engagement. Uh, but if you can then, you know, layer on bridge, which Carlos has specifically mentioned that you can with on the new ad server and with open banking that you can use bridge and product level offers. I think that'll lead to more. And if you do push notifications, I just got actually before this video, I got two push notifications from the US bank, which is the most I've gotten in like a long time, uh, which I thought was interesting, but you should be able to see probably more push notifications because there's better control uh, with these loyalty programs that they can send out more than maybe a bank could. And so I just think in total, we could see a lot of benefits within these existing programs. So that's within the UK. So we have growth in terms of the number of possible. Again, we talked about you could, they could grow in terms of more programs in the UK. And then there's further growth within the, as, as they add these more uh, programs, you attract more advertisers, which leads to better offers. And when you have better offers, it'll lead to more opt-ins. And then you can layer on bridge and other engagement. So we can see a lot of engagement and a lot of benefit just in the UK. But there's other areas where open banking's live. Carlos has talked about all of Europe, Asia, Australia. And that was even last year. And I think there might even be more. And we should see an increasing amount. Uh, one interesting thing I was listening into a conference with Carlytics and they mentioned Chris Plus, uh, which was a Singapore, uh, Singapore Airlines. And they even mentioned how, they didn't mention like Carlytics was working with them, but they were like, it was in the context of like, crypto, but they mentioned, oh, they work with like 18 merchant partners where you can earn rewards outside of, of, of Chris Plus. But essentially Carlytics has actually specifically mentioned working with airlines for open banking. So maybe they'll work with like Chris Plus and then they'll say, Hey, you can gain access to all these advertisers uh, and redeem, get all these this, these loyalty points back that could increase the loyalty back to Chris Plus. And if I'm saying Chris Plus, but that's just my guess of what that is. I've, I've never really even uh, heard of it. And so like really to me, the bigger opportunity is like, again, that's just one airline. Think of open banking that's across you know, Europe and, and, and Asia, that there's so many more uh, potential airlines uh, and let alone all the different partners that are possible. It's just, it's even, it's, it becomes so hard to think about it. And again, that's why I'm a 
selfish nuts. I've kind of inverted it and thought about it in a different way to try to quantify what this, this aspect of Tam could be. But again, the next layer of Tam is all of, of all loyalty programs. Again, so instead of just We're Open Banking's live, you could think, what about We're Open Banking's not live? Like in the United States, what about these loyalty programs? And, and, Again, that's super similar the, like to Card Lips and the core business and what they're doing with open banking and everywhere else, like the neobanks and fintechs. The only thing they're not getting then is the financial data. And so I have a solution for that. And we've already talked about it. But again, Rethink Loyalty is actually doing that. They're doing this with Fanatics and they're saying, hey, you can earn these, like with these, you know, Rakuten and, and Fig offers, you can earn more, uh, you know, fan cash that could be used at Fanatics. So it increases the incentive to use the Fanatics card as well as then increase the loyalty and spend uh, back at Fanatics. And this is essentially what Carlos has been doing with open banking partners. Again, the only difference is not having access to the financial data, which then unlocks uh, more than the affiliate budgets, which is what typically you know we've seen of Rakuten and Fig which means lower offers um, so at the beginning of the post I've mentioned how in general most assume Cardlix has no value for loyalty programs <laughs> or when customers are all in the loyalty program this is a fear by many investors where they say oh if everyone got into a loyalty program those companies will have you know no reason to use Cardlytics and again I think I think that's just not true I believe Cardlytics can help every loyalty program and with many different aspects, especially with, and, and essentially become this like premier loyalty program partner, right? And so I've done this nice visual where I said, again, the most loyal, you can target them. Like you can target those that are most loyal in your store in relation to other customers. Uh, but they're actually, those customers are spending way more uh, elsewhere, right? Again, you don't know that. If you're a loyalty program, you only have the information for your store. And so again, those, the existing com customers are much cheaper to convert, five times uh, more expensive to try to convert a new customer than the existing. And existing customers spend 67% more. And again, this is just a very misunderstood idea. And where advertisers said, hey, only 4% uh, of advertisers say the biggest growth opportunity is with infrequent or last customers. Again, that just shows that they don't even understand what's possible, uh, but that's not everyone. That's why we have you know people like Starbucks who still use Cardlytics even though they have this massive loyalty program. And I got these statistics from a Cardlytics uh, uh, article, which I link here, where they said, we were surprised that only 4% said their biggest growth opportunity was with, was with infrequent or lapsed customers, even though our platform insights challenged this notion. Studies show that repeat customers spend 67% uh, more than new patrons, uh, which also cost around five times more to convert. The ROI related to customer loyalty cannot be understated and is a huge growth opportunity we see for brands that may be lacking in this area. Using actual purchase data, we can guide marketers on the true loyalty of their customers. Take together these two types of customers, one spending $500 a month uh, and zero elsewhere, and then the other who's still spending $500 a month, so large in relation to loyalty, but spends $900 a month elsewhere as well. Does it make sense to target the loyalists uh, with the same ad spend or cashback offer as the customer of many? Of course not. Ultimately, marketers want to convert the customer of many into a loyalist, uh, you know, try to shift that ad spend with targeted advertising that draws intelligence from the shopping habits. In short, we should invest in the customers with the highest spend potential, the best indicator of how much they are spending in this category when they aren't spending with you. Okay, 
Now, the semi-loyal group, the way I've kind of thought about this, is maybe it's the people that aren't the loyalists who are spending so much in your company, and you need to try to convince them to increase the incentive to get maybe like a store-branded card, like the Fanatics card, or for maybe Target Red card, uh, or Walmart, who only has like, I think, uh, you know, 1% cash back elsewhere. What you could say is um, you could increase the cash back or the loyalty points back uh, rather than just the 1% to 2% back by leveraging DOSH, Entertainment, Bridge offers, or Cardlytics offers. That could be like 10, excuse me, like 10% or more, right? So where open banking is live, you can, you know, require them to opt in, share their transactional data and have the much better, you know, like Cardlytics type offers. In places where open banking is not live, you could say, okay, it'll be more like Dosh, which isn't based mostly on transactional data. Uh, therefore it's, you know, it's lower, but it's still more than the one to one to 2% cash back. You could then also use entertainment offers for local offers. You can also do, you know, the bridge offers, right? Like which we've seen in Dosh even. And so I believe if Cardlytics does this even for just one like marquee, loyalty program, it will lead to the social proof uh, impact that leads to multiple partnerships. If you can sign like a target with this concept, I think you'll get way more as well. Uh, in terms of non-loyal customers, that's where Bridge can come in. They, they, they've thrown out the Starbucks. That's why Starbucks is using uh, Bridge, where they have all these customers that are not in their loyalty program. I believe, I think it's around like 70, 75%. Uh, Carlyx says it's like, you know, 90, but I believe it, it, you know, 70, 75%. And they can use Bridge to, to find those and target those customers. So again, every, you know, altogether, Carlyx can help every type of customer uh, in or not in the loyalty program, making Carlyx a valuable customer for loyalty programs. If Carlyx can utilize their power and unlock this cohort especially with internationally i just think it unlocks so much uh potential ad spend so i think carlos could either you know target existing bridge clients again they're already focused on loyalty because they're trying to find people that are not in their loyalty program so they could say hey we can help you with all these other parts or instead of just one loyalty program at a time they could do a loyalty uh program provider like punch right like car uh, bridge i think is already integrated with par and so maybe if they have a formal partnership and they say hey with your you know punch let's 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 say hey let's add in this aspect for you know layering in the the dosh and bridge and entertainment offers or they could partner with those with store branded uh, rewards cards and debit cards because the way i've thought about this is in an end state it can't like everyone i think needs a store branded card for this to work and on those cards then you have the higher offering amount i mean again think about um like the the, the recent dosh partnership with crypto.com the neobank fintech right essentially they have a card right their 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 specific card and Carlyx partnering them with Dosh to ha have higher offers, like 10% back. And so essentially you could just go to the root person who's issuing or, or you know, people are partnering with, like Marquetta, uh, and said, hey, you know, they have all these great partners. Let's partner, Carlyx should partner with them. And so at launch of your card, instead of saying, oh, and you get like 1% cash back elsewhere, you'll have Dosh attached to it. Um, and so again, there, there's, instead of doing it one at a time, usually a partnership is probably better. The other way is to target those that are both uh, where open banking is live and not live, where they have more global diverse par uh, business. Think of like Hilton Honors, Marriott Bonvoy, uh, Southwest Rapid Rewards, United Miles Plus, like uh, Starbucks, right? Where they have operations where maybe there's both open banking live and not live. You could say, you could start where it's live and, and have this more and better benefit. And then you could upsell and say, hey, let's do it elsewhere uh, where it's not live or, or vice versa, right? And so again, I, I keep thinking, thinking, I thought about Starbucks a lot because they have a store branded card that you could earn, you know, relatively low, uh, you know, percent back when you're shopping elsewhere. So I thought, hey, let's, let's add in the app instead of, you know, using the frictional step of 
adding your card to Dosh. You could add Dosh and entertainment and bridge offers within the, the Starbucks app and earn even more, right? And it's an easy upsell because you know Starbucks is already using Cardlytics, they're already using Bridge. Uh, but the, the thing that I don't think would work is that you know th that that card's through JP Morgan Chase, so they might already have access to Cardlytics offers. So maybe someone like <laughs> that uh, Target Red card, which is not issued by a Cardlytics uh, you know partnered bank, and so. Again, Target is already using Cardlytics. They were using them in Q4 2021. We've heard rumors that they might be eventually using Bridge, uh, and maybe it was already a Bridge partner. And so it could just make sense that, you know, there are, like, a lot of people, you know, my wife included, was like, oh, wow, 5% back at Target? Well, what if you could say, oh, and elsewhere you can get, you know, 10% or more? I think that's in. I think that's huge. One thing that interests me is the penetration and the amount of purchases by Target Red Card. Again, three months ended, 2021, 20% of cards were from Target Red Card. So it just shows a lot of potential. Walmart, again, 1% to 2% elsewhere. If you partner with Cardlytics, it could be significantly higher. Uh, we've talked, we've already, you know, just for the time's sake, the valuation, I essentially just repeat it, you know, as that I did in the beginning of that baseline of just Nectar, of just Top Cash Back, of just the 15% opt-in, only $10 of redemption, even though, you know, Top Cash Back, $345 on average. Uh, Honey, $126 million. And these offers are more targeted. They're based on transactional data. That's why, you know, Top Cash Back is using them. Um, again, low revenue share, leading to high gross profit margins. Again, this could lead to significantly high levels of cash flow. And even in that scenario, again, ARPU could be higher. They could partner with more programs that are, you know, not just in the UK, uh, those that are, you know, or they could partner with more in the UK. They could partner with those that are in Europe, Australia, Asia. And again, they could partner with people like a Target or something as well. Again, I, you know, when you start thinking about this, I've spent a lot of time trying to think about this and I've thought about it in a, in a more unique way. So again, for all of the large number of you who already have uh, access to my research notes, make sure you check them out. I've included the detail of how I've kind of thought about it. Again, I think it's worth repeating here before you view those numbers, uh, that the reason that there's large potential cash flow, like the reason this is possible is due to the large scale of international partnerships. You're no longer just constrained to the US and the small part of the UK and not just banks. The extreme high gross profit margins from no revenue share compared to the banks that have a high revenue share high operating leverage because again you're leveraging all the existing operations the technology the resources and again I do account in those extreme scenarios where I'm trying to value this. I do account for high operation, uh, oper like way higher, I think even like a billion operating uh, expenses just to say, hey, they're expanding internationally. They're probably going to need some more help, uh, which again, in relation to Cardlytics at $200 million today for their whole business. I think that's fine. Again, I've also included my research notes, way more information on the increased risks of omegaing. Although there's all these positive, there's still some risks. <laughs> uh, maybe much more so than we've ever seen in Cardlytics. Through the valuation scenario, I've also discussed, okay, if this is true, why haven't we seen this with Cardlytics? If it's true, why haven't we seen it with Dosh, who has all these partners? And what does Cardlytics actually need to do for this to occur? And then for valuation, I've done some reverse DC, DCF work. That's a lot. I have spent so much time on the open banking stuff. Again, if, you, if you've enjoyed this content, if you've received any value or from the insights, discoveries, or thoughts shared, you know, past or present, not only just the open banking ever, uh, feel free to consider becoming you know, a premium supporter of the channel. I know already a large portion of you have, and it means a lot to me. I, there's nothing better uh, than getting that notification that one of you guys have subscribed. But again, you're not just it's not just to help support the channel, which does increase the odds of more write-ups in the future, but it also gains you access to all my content. Uh, and additionally, there's a lot of information in the footnotes. <laughs> so make sure you check that out. Everyone, thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you in the next.